We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm back for a second consecutive show. I'm Josh Zirkel, joined by Trevor Jossert, and joining us once again, Steve Perhatch. Steve, welcome back, Trevor. Hello, how are we doing, guys? I'm doing good. How are you? How are you doing, Steve? We missed you, know, you last show. I'm I'm back off the IR. There was a slip and fall incident while doing some snow, some light snow removal. Uh, fell on my ass and definitely needed to go see a doctor on the day of the recording. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back now. Yeah, I forget sometimes what it's like when you actually have snow because I live in Alabama now. It does get cold here, but it almost never snows. Uh, Trev, you said you got a little bit of, of precipitation too, but nothing you had to shovel off your sidewalk. No, nothing bad. Kansas City got rocked, but that's about three hours north of me. So we, we were in the clear. Yeah, Kansas City, uh, again, playing for an AFC championship. And and guys, I should point out here, as we record on Tuesday night, it was 52 years ago today that America's team, the Green Bay Packers, triumphed in what was then known as the AFL-NFL World Championship game, uh, later retroactively called Super Bowl One. Max McGee, my favorite player, this is my favorite Super Bowl story of all time, who was out partying until 6 a.m. the morning of the game, Actually got called into action, didn't think he was going to play, uh, went into the game because of an injury, caught two touchdown passes. I think one of them he caught one-handed as uh, Lombardi's boys rolled over the AFL upstarts on their way to victory. I have no memory of this game, obviously, because it was played uh, a certain number of years before I was born. 
But is this, do we look at this as like the beginning of pro football, even though it was really not the beginning of the Lombardi era or even the beginning of their run because it was their second straight NFL title? What thoughts do you have, Trev, start with you, uh, on the very first Super Bowl? Well, I think that's the start of football. That's when when people ask me or when I think back, that's it. So Packers started off right, and uh, um, they're they're the first one ever. So, well, you know, I think I would say, is there anybody more Wisconsin after hearing that story about Max McGee of just getting blitzed going <laughs> until six in the morning, yeah, coming into work the yep. next day and just dominating because hey, that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> that is what we get blitzed and then going to work the next day. Uh, but uh, for me, if you start talking Super Bowl one, everything like that, it starts to we don't have as many. So you know, world championships. Yes, yes. And real quick, do we really believe Green Bay is America's team? No, but that was like our joke. I mean, what was like okay. the first thing you said that? I think it was you, Trev. <laughs> was it? I think yeah. You were like this is America's team because you're in Kansas now. Although you weren't in Kansas when we started. I, said, I think I said that because we are separated. So by fault, we are America's team. Us three is – we are America's oh, team. okay. I like that. Yeah, that sounds way better. Like uh, no, no, uh, that is not – we are – the Packers are not America's team. I, I mean – I think, I think, I think they, the Packers I think are America's well. team. I think, they're, I think they're top three as far I, as popularity I, I put in, them in America. Um, but I would still say the Cowboys probably – I, I mean, they have the Cowboys have so many fans that don't know anything about football. That's why they're Cowboys fans. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the casual fans like, "Ooh, look, a blue star! It looks right. so pretty." If you're a, if you're a casual fan and you want to just pick a random team, most people just pick the Cowboys. Yeah, so I don't, I I don't know to... if that's true. No, you don't think so? No, I don't, and I think that a lot of people believe that it's true because I was watching the it was, it was Saturday when Fox was covering the game because. Troy and, and Joe Buck, they went and covered the Saturday game. Usually, you know, you have the A crew on the Sunday game, but they went to the Saturday game because it was in Dallas. And Aaron Andrews is like, oh, my gosh, Dak Prescott, are you amazed at what you've accomplished so far? And I'm sitting here thinking, like, this guy hasn't done shit so far. What are you talking about? So, like, I feel like a lot of that is just pushed on. It's like the, Yan- the, the Yankees of pro football. And if it was yeah, up to ESPN, the Yankees, this, are, they actually, Yankees have actually won World Championships. That's what I'm saying, though. But I mean, the Cowboys have won two two playoff games since '96. Yeah, I don't. So I, the so I don't get it. Be the, the Patriots then just a team that someone bandwagons if they need a team to cheer for? I would think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, would, that would make the most sense. My only point about Dallas, though, is that just you know the perception of of how transcendent they are as a team just does not match up with reality or what they've done on the field and they're always on prime time and it's not because the numbers are good it's because people hate that team there's one fan base that likes the cowboys and there are 31 fan bases that hate the cowboys so end of rant america's most hated team there we go america's parenthesis open most hated close parenthesis team all right moving on uh we are in the midst of a year in review a position by position series. Uh, we are going to do the running backs, a fantastic dynamic year for running backs. We had one running back literally just shipped off after a, a 
an, a malfeasant play. Granted, it was not a running play. Uh, it was a special teams play. We had a guy who came on tremendously strong in the second half of the season. Uh, and then we had another guy who's just Jamal Williams. But, uh, Steve, a guy that you'd been talking about, like, probably since we started the show and really got into the roster and what was happening there. Uh, how would you, if you were in an elevator with somebody, how would you review the se- the season of Aaron Jones? I mean, I the thing that we talked about the entire season is he never got the ball enough, in our opinion. Uh, especially me, I, I thought, you know, you'd want to see him touch the ball, like not rush the ball 25 times. Right. But I would love, I would have loved to see him get the ball 22 to 23 times, including like four or five catches. You know, so that's running the ball 18 times. And I don't, I just could not understand why they wouldn't do that. I don't know if they're afraid his frame is too small, whatever. But the guy averages five and a half yards for his career. That's 12 games last year, 12 games this year. Yeah. He's averaged 5.5 yards per touch when he carries the ball. And yet McCarthy was opposed to giving – I don't know if he was pissed because of the weed, whatever. But, I mean, he, he bookended the, the this season as well where he missed the first two games and he missed the last two games. First first two were suspension. Last two were for injury. Um, and, yeah, that's another thing to, to focus on a little bit is – that's another knee injury for him. So that's two times in his two-year career that he's had knee injuries. And for a running back, that can be a little scary. Um, right. Over, overall, though, I mean, he is a, he is the most talented running back on this team. Uh, he is neck and neck with Devontae, as I would probably the, the biggest playmakers besides Rodgers. Okay. Um, so he should – coming into next year, he should be number one running back. He should be getting the most touches. Um and I'm excited to see what LaFleur does because if you watch the Titans offense at all last year, they like to run the ball. And yep. he's not afraid to get creative and get him the ball. So for me, it's an exciting time with uh, LaFleur coming in. Uh, fantasy note, if anybody's talking about Aaron Jones, yes, you should absolutely pick him up. I know Green Bay running backs have always been a little difficult to judge, but this this could be the year that uh, with LaFleur, the playing call could definitely be in his favor. Yeah, we um, Steve mentioned the five and a half yards per or per game or per uh, per attempt in his career, and that's yep. this year he was also five and a half too. So that just speaks consistency. Last year he was five and a half. This year he's five and a half. And um, I know we're going to talk about Jamal Williams again, but if you kind of look at their stats side by side, um, I mean there wasn't they they used them almost fairly evenly. I mean I know Williams played four more games, but yeah, um, there's a to me, there's a big talent gap gap between Jones and Williams. And, again, it's not fair for us to kind of sit and judge either of them's uh, year with, with McCarthy. And we've, we've really complained every show about how they <laughs> need more touches. Jones needs more touches, whether that be the rushing attack or the passing game. But I'm really excited to see, you know, how he is used next year and – I feel like if they use him the same amount that they do this year, we're going to get almost similar results. But if they can really up his up his up his intake, man, this this offense could be real dynamic. And um, I like what I saw out of him. I, I like the potential there, and I think that he's we're close to seeing a breakout season from him and being one of the top backs in the league. I really see it. Yeah, I think one of the things we'll have to look out for, and this is in, in no way a knock on Aaron Jones, who I think is a complete back. Uh, a three down back. We saw that, uh, you know, talking about the end of, of his season anyway, you know, you mentioned the two games that, that he missed at the end, Steve. Uh, 
he did not start a game before the the Niner game in week six, did not get 13 touches a game before the Patriots game in week nine, but then in his last three games had 50, 55 touches, uh, that includes rushes and receptions, 55 for 251 all-purpose yards and six touchdowns. How would you like it if Aaron Jones just stepped on the field and you just went up 14-0 uh, right at the beginning of the game? But when you look at what uh, LaFleur did in, in Tennessee and also when Nathaniel Hackett in Jacksonville last year, like they like to use two backs, whether it's uh, Fournette and TJ Yeldon in Jacksonville uh, or Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. Uh, there's room for two backs here. So I wouldn't next, I wouldn't, you know, write off Jamal Williams just yet, nor would I uh, book Aaron Jones as a top 10 fantasy guy. I think the production's going to be there, but I think Jamal Williams is going to get his. And, you know, he was a, a, a quality replacement level guy, but they, he just should not have been getting uh, the looks that he was while Aaron Jones was sitting on the bench. I think Aaron Jones is the guy, and I think Jamal Williams would be a, a nice supplement to him in 2019. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you just have to look at it as Aaron Jones is one, Jamal Williams is two. Yeah, yeah. And you should dish out the touches in that order. It should be, you know, 20 to 25 touches for Aaron Jones, 10 touches for Jamal Williams. I mean, for me, that works just fine because Jamal Williams has a role. He, I mean, if you look at it, Jamal Williams long for the year was 67 yards. Or, or Aaron Jones long for the year, 67 yards. That's Jamal good. Williams – Jamal Williams long for the yard for the year, twenty yards. They are different types of backs. So I mean, you you run back and look at the the play. I, I think it was the Rams, but where they were um, where they ran Aaron Jones up the middle on the one yard line, and they got to sit. And the Rams got I believe it was the Rams. They got a safety. Yep. Um, that's not that's not where you should be using Aaron Jones. That's where you would think you would be using Jamal Williams, the big bru- the bruiser of the two. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you can figure out the correct ways to use them, it just seems like. McCarthy kind of threw them out there and they did whatever. They didn't have huge plans for them. If you can come up with a good game plan for those two backs, those are two complementary backs to each other. So I think they've got a great pair. I've, I mean, I've seen mock drafts where they're some people have the Packers taking a running back in the first round. And I just think that's what? it. Cray, cray. No, no, no. Taking the running, the 32nd pick, taking the running back from uh, Alabama. And I just, it makes absolutely no sense to me. No, that's what to me. It's just, I've been, uneasy about the Packers running back situation for years it seems like and I think I think it's we're just making it harder than it needs to be it's very simple Jones one Williams two they should be content with that and they should be you know let those guys know that's how it's going to be let the offense know that's how it's going to be and and just roll with it and build upon that um you know and just use it more I think it's just as simple as that yeah I agree and, and Steve it's interesting you brought up the Rams game because there was a certain play Toward the end of that game, that saw the ouster of uh, our third running back, Ty Montgomery, uh, who had, you know, not exactly uh, been a superstar in the backfield uh, this past year, running that uh, kickoff out of the end zone, fumbling the ball, and uh, getting his rear end to ship Baltimore for a a seven in 2020. Uh, I did not see him play, correct me if I'm wrong, but he did not suit up for the Ravens, or at least did not take the field. Uh, for them after that trade, what do you, did you think about Ty Montgomery before uh, that fumble? Actually, I did see him on the field uh, in the playoff game. Oh, okay. Well. So I think he I, he was very limited, but he got onto the field a little bit. Uh, but honestly, I kind of forgot that he was on the Packers. 
<laughs> I looked up the rushing stats for the year and everything, and he's not obviously not included on it because he's not on the team, but I completely right. forgot that he was on there. I mean, in all honesty, I feel a little bit bad for the guy because, I mean, he was a slot receiver, and he could have been pretty good at that role if the Packers hadn't moved him to running back. Sure. Uh, I mean, he he's, he's built – a stronger than Randall Cobb, just as quick and has the hands. So, I mean, he could have done really well in that role. And they just kind of moved him there and then never really gave him the full opportunity to to own the job. Um, it was always just kind of like a running back by committee and we're not going to move you back to wide receiver. So I think I felt kind of, kind of bad for him. But overall, I think it was just time to move on. It was kind of a... I feel like a move by Goody to just take the toy away from McCarthy. Like, here, you're not going to play with this anymore. You have a better <laughs> running back. You're going to use him. You're not going to use this guy anymore. You agree, yeah, you agree I, with that, Trev? Yeah, I can't say it any better. I think um, he was just kind of thrown into onto the scene as a running back. Um, they needed it. They needed him back there, and they needed someone to get some carries back there and. I think as as Pac, Packer fans should be appreciative of what he's done for them in his career. Um, but if to answer your question about this year, he was non-existent um, with with Williams and Jones up there. He shouldn't have even been used, in my opinion, in the backfield. Um, I don't know if it was an option to maybe even try to get him back to to receiver or anything, or even if they tried or what that case is. But um, there's no room for him in the backfield. So, I mean, shipping him off and getting at least something in return is, is a win for me. Yeah, I think so. I mean, even if it's a seven. And I think that we saw some some swift justice, if you will, uh, from the front office, from from Brian Gutekunst and, and Mark Murphy. Not only the, the Ty Montgomery move, but also then losing when uh, they lost to the Cardinals and Mike McCarthy was immediately out of there. We were convinced mm-hmm. we wouldn't see anything till the end of the year. But uh, obviously, it did not work out that way. So that's our year in review for running backs. Uh, Daniel and Christopher are going to do wide receivers tomorrow. Uh, so be sure to look uh, forward to that. Guys, before we get out of here, just some general thoughts. Steve, we haven't talked to you in a month. So we have a new head coach now, Matt LaFleur, uh, offensive coordinator. The staff is coming together. Do you have any first impressions now? with uh, the direction that uh, the front office is going in terms of how they're putting together the coaching staff. I mean, I like it so far. It's it's obviously still early. We haven't seen anything happen from anybody. There hasn't been any coaching involved. Um, no, but I think it's a, it's a smart hire. I think you wanted to go offense because – uh, let's just play it out as you hire a defensive head co- uh, defensive head coach, then you have to get go get your offensive coordinator. And let's say you go with the wonderkin of a 35-year-old a, to a 40-year-old, something like that, and Aaron Rodgers has an amazing uh, an amazing year next year, well, then that become, he immediately jumps to the top of all the head coaching openings and people wanting him because he fixed Aaron Rodgers. Sure. So for me, mm-hmm. I, like the, I like the way that they went. Um, I know everybody's complaining about, oh, he ran this type of – the offense was like 28th out of this, and, you know, they, they went and got – the guy from Jacksonville and his offense was bad this year. My, that, that's all crap. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it just annoys the living hell out of me. Like, you know what? give the give the guy a give the guy a couple of games before. I mean, I, this is Twitter, and I know all, all right. we do is freak out about every single thing the minute it happens, and we can't let anything breathe. But no. 
for me, I, I like to hire. I think it's good. I want to see it in action. I want to see some some new concepts. I want to see some, you know, drag routes, some rubs, some of those type mm. of things coming. I mean, if those those are happening, you got rubs. guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> a football rub. A football oh, rub. Oh, yeah, okay. Sorry. Sorry, I must clarify. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, I like it. I'm excited to see it actually in action. And I'm getting really annoyed by everybody complaining about, you know, offenses that they ran the last year and things like that. Just give the man some damn time to run his offense and, and let's actually see it before we all complain about, oh, well, they made a mistake hiring the 39-year-old. They should have went with a retread. They should have – no. <laughs> I'm just that's that's what everyone loves to do though, especially yeah, in the off season. That's what else are we gonna talk about? It'd be the day I start seeing Packers Twitter applauding a move is the day I start worrying. So um I mean I think you mentioned it pre show. We gotta stop wondering and hoping that he's gonna be Sean McVay right away. You know, we gotta stop looking that at you know, Hackett had Bortles the last couple years. He did really well with uh with the rushing attack, they were one of the top running running clubs in the league, I think, either last year or two years ago. Um, so pump the brakes. Um, give us yeah, some time. Every, everybody's saying about, oh, well, he was hired because he, he was with McVay. I'm like, that's just – that's such crap. That's such, a, <laughs> that's such a lazy excuse for, you know, just reading. I was like, oh, well, he's associated with McVay. He must be hired. Like, come on. I'd like to think that there's a little more went into the interview process than, oh, you know Sean McVay? I do. Oh, you're hired. <laughs> it's just it's such lazy reporting and things like that to say that's the reason why he got that job. He went up against a lot of quality head coach, like previous head coaches. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is going to be the hot guy. McDaniels didn't get that job. He's like, screw this. The book is closed. I'm not. I'm not interviewing for any other jobs. So, does it bother you that Lafleur wasn't interviewed by anybody else? No, no. no I, really. I, I think that you know there are concerns about Mario. I mean, you could explain away most of those concerns. Oh, he wasn't calling the plays in L.A. Or you know, he, he Mariota basically played with like half a shoulder. Like he could barely throw the ball past the sticks. So with what he had to work with, I, I thought he did a fantastic job. I mean, if you look at the profile, when we talked about this when McCarthy got fired, it's like, what do you want? You want a younger guy. You want an offensive-minded guy. Somebody that's going to bring some, some innovation, some 21st century ideas to this offense, to this organization. I mean, check, check, check. I mean, you got everything you wanted here. It's a, it's a perfect, perfect situation. Well, I want to say perfect, but uh, – you know, but well, on I mean, paper, it's as close to perfect as you could have hoped to get. He's and he's getting an upgraded roster. Like we all complain about the Packers roster yes. and not having all the weapons. But I mean, you take a look at the Titans versus the Packers. You're upgraded at quarterback. You're upgraded at wide receiver. You're upgraded at running back. The only thing you could say is maybe tight end. He doesn't have a better tight end, but right. he only had Delaney Walker for like three games before he left for the season. And then, then you have a better tight end if if you don't count Delaney Walker. So I mean, he's upgraded in every single position, and it's a younger roster. It's a more coachable roster. Yeah. He'll be able to I, put I a mean, stamp on things right away. Overall, I think it's a, a, a smart move, and just kind of let let's let's let it all play out. Let's see what Goody does in free agency. Let's see what what weapons they pick up in the draft. I mean. If Wait. they do things right, they they could be right in this conversation for the division title. I mean, and, and let's not forget that the Bears are losing coaches. Yep. They lost their defensive coordinator. They just lost their secondary coach, both going to the Broncos. So, I mean, that's not a bad thing at all. 
And the Vikings are adding coaches. They're adding the Gary Kubiak uh, family. Consultants. Yes. <laughs> they got advisors on coaches, and uh, they're going to have to expand the, their facility, most likely, to get all that office space in there. And then you got Matt Patricia in Detroit, who's doing a, a wonderful job. He's got one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's complaining about how he needs to run the ball more. So everything going great in Motor City, as per usual. As per usual, yep. Didn't you pick them to win the division? <laughs> uh, at the <laughs> beginning is, of the year. I, uh, you that know, is right. I will make a new mistake picking up uh, right. the I team the next Packers year. Go, I picked the Packers to go like 12-4. and four, So I think I picked the Vikings to win the division. Find me somebody that picked the Bears, and then I will be like, okay. Then I, I seriously, seriously screwed up and did not take advantage of the information I had in front of me. Find me somebody that the, picked the Bears. I said the Bears wouldn't win eight games, so I, I will admit I'm wrong on them. Yeah. Well, guys, why don't we leave it there? Uh, it's it's great to get back with you guys. Ross is uh, Ross is great, but he's no he's no Stephen Trev, that is for sure. So America's uh, team, right here. Yeah, enjoyed putting the America's team back together at least for one night. Uh, <laughs> uh, Steve Trev and I will get together for a, a new Pack a Day podcast in two weeks. Uh, we will have a new show for you tomorrow. Daniel and Christopher will be breaking down the wide receivers as part of our year in review for the position groups. Until then, we will see you on the internet. Go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.